0: Yeah.
1: happening y'all welcome to the marty mars show i'm excited for this episode tonight got a good good brother of mine that i'm going to introduce shortly um tonight we're going to be talking about an important topic with us being out in COVID for you know almost two years we've returned back to school or at least our students you know in elementary middle high school as well as college right or even adults we've all uh returned back to the school setting um, and I thought, what better way for us to really have this conversation than to have somebody who's actually in the education system, besides myself? Because sometimes, you know, when you're talking, they only they don't believe what you're saying. But it's not till you have somebody else in there. So tonight's episode is talking about excellence in education, and that's what we should be striving for. So at this time, I'm going to introduce to you a good friend of mine as well as my frat brother, Davin Oglesby. What's going on, bruh? What's going on, frat? Out, out, man. I'm happy to have him on y'all, he's dope. So before we get into the interview, about yourself, go ahead.
0: Not you. Um, As Frat said, I'm Davin Oglesby. I am currently in Nashville, Tennessee. I work as an elementary special education teacher. Um, This is now my fourth year in education as a teacher, but my sixth or seventh year overall, um, married, two kids, five and 14 Uh, my wife and I've been married for five years so balancing you know being a father being a husband being an educator um, those are the three hats that I wear throughout the day Um, but that's me Um, anxious to get into this conversation to talk about you know where I am currently in education and where my where the end goal is for me within education but also to learn from you as well so thank you for the opportunity man i humbly appreciate it and i am just ready to jump into it let's go
1: man dang. and it's crazy i've been married five years y'all his wedding was such a good time they got married in north carolina it was such a beautiful wedding I think five years Jeez.
0: yeah bro yeah Jeez,
1: time fly but um matter of fact i know we were talking about this free interview but yeah uh, tell the people how we met <laughs> this is okay. a funny story, so, y'all. funny story funny
0: funny enough um frat lamar and i met i was what was it, 2000, 2009, um, 2001, yeah, um, Beta Chi at Bethune-Kipman University, the Beta Chi chapter of IOTA Phi Theta Fraternity. We were having our 15th anniversary. Um, I don't actually know how you found out about it, but <laughs> that comes all the way from Delaware <laughs> all the way down to Florida. And I'm like, you know, being a new IOTA, I'm like, yo, that's love. If that's what they on, this is definitely the frat for me if like that's the kind of stuff that they're on because I don't know how long it is from Delaware to Florida. But I'm like, bro came all the way down here to kick it with us and not just kick it with it, but Like you you kicked it with us for the whole weekend. Like you was there for everything. The grill and chill, the club parties, the behind the scenes stuff. Like so that's where you and I met was at the, the that I remember the 15th anniversary for Bethune for Cookman at Beta Chi.
1: And bro, you know what's funny about it. So all right, me being in Neo, cause you cross uh what follow uh, spring fall, it's fall spring on, right? It's fall away. Fall away. Oh yeah, we had Sands. I'm tripping. It's been that long. So you know us being neos i'm like okay i looked on facebook and i saw that and i was like oh something in florida so me being all hype i'm like you know what i seen the videos they deep down there i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna come down there and check them out y'all hopped on the train when i tell you that ride was so long but when you 19 and you just don't care <laughs> <Whatever>. yeah <laughs> it's whatever but it was like a 16 hour uh drive down there but i i will say this beta car showed me mad love we've been tight to this day Uh, He looked out y'all. He let me, he gave me a place to stay. We, we was, we was mobbing. I almost went to Bethune cooking food around with him.
0: (laughs) It was a good time. I was like, dang, me and have really been knowing each other for a while now. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a minute. So let's go ahead y'all get into this interview. So, and you've been in the education system as well as myself. Um, Let's be real, right? With the return back to school, I'll at least speak for myself. I know my school it has been challenging with some of the behaviors and just trying to get their kids adjusted back. So this is not the most high paying field. So what made you get into education?
0: Um, I got into education after a conversation my wife and I had in 2015. At the time, I was not thinking about going into being being a teacher. I wasn't thinking about anything in the education space. I was actually working for a company in downtown Nashville called Dream Systems. Uh, this company builds like hospital conference rooms and collaboration rooms, you know, from scratch, from the sound to the visuals, to the furniture, like they build the whole conference room from scratch, right? Um, so I worked at this design firm for a year and a half Uh, I did everything from, you know, office management to logistics for travel to, you know, purchase orders for projects, like things like that. Nowhere in the education space, right? Very much so corporate and, you know, kind of like design boutique type stuff. Um, I did that for a year and a half until I got laid off. Mm. At the time, my wife and I had just gotten married that July. I want to say I got laid off around August um, so yeah wow. but this part fits the story because you got to really know who you marry right like you got to really know who's in your corner
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i'm working you know a, i'm part-time at best buy at the time so i had you know something to kind of supplement some income somewhere yeah. and you know i fell down and i was like look um i just got laid off i'm not really sure what the next move is. But I know that I gotta figure something out because I don't want to just sit in the house and you know, not work, not provide things like that. Man, you know, we really, we really sat down and had a real conversation. She said, Why don't you try substitute teaching? I'm like, Oh no, I don't think I got the patience for it. That's not my that's not my lane. I'm okay. I'll try something different. She said, No, no, I think you should really try that because that'll give you time you know during the day when you're not working to figure it out right um so i did that i said okay let me try substitute teaching i was a sub for a year an entire school year and bruh, when i tell you i absolutely loved it i loved it like
1: mm-hmm.
0: being a black male one in education mm-hmm. and two i worked in i worked in primarily elementary schools at the time mm-hmm. it was a different feeling because automatically just because of who i was i got that respect from students from other faculty members you know thanking me for coming into the building you know and just asking me for you know different sub jobs i did that for a year um and then i took a job as a paraprofessional because somebody i was subbing for at the time you know he said if you really want to become an educator and you want to get your foot in the door with an education become a pro. and what a pro is for those who aren't familiar with it is a classroom assistant in a special education setting so i got a chance to see not only the special education side but also the gen ed side when i had kids who had inclusion so mm-hmm. i got a bit i got a bit of a chance to see both sides of the coin um i did that for a year and a half and my principal at the end of my first year she said you know what is it that you want to do after this because i can tell you know you're really dedicated to these students You show up on time every day. You seem very energized. You know you want to be here, and you—it seems like you have a heart for this. What is it you want to do afterwards? And I said, you know, just talking out loud, manifested it into the air. You know what I'm saying? I said, you know what? I really want to become a teacher. And you know, I asked her. I said, you know, what schools do you look for as a principal? She said, I'm gonna look at Trevecca, which is here in Nashville, and Lipscomb, which is also here in Nashville, both Mm -hmm. private universities. she said because you know those are two very strong schools here in Nashville. I said, okay, cool. Um, my wife and I go on a couple cruises, I want to say over the summer. She hits me back, you know via text message as we're coming back from the cruise, she says, Lipscomb University has a new partnership with MNPS. They're looking to bring in four people who are already pros to become teachers and get their teaching license. I hopped on it because that's Was the. That It was, that's what I'm going to get to. Oh, my bad, my bad. (laughs) So she sends me this text message and I'm like, oh man, here's the lane. Here's the open door, right? I want to become a teacher. Here's a school offering this fellowship for a pair of pros to become teachers. Man, I think I had like a two week turnaround between when I got that text message and when I had to apply for this program (laughs) because they're about to start, you know, doing applications and whatnot. Yeah. Man, I hopped on it and I applied. Thinking, okay, it's a one in a million shot that I'm gonna get in because they are only taking four people. So it turns out I got an interview at the school for this fellowship. I get into the fellowship. That's a a year and a half, two years. Um, I finish out with a master's, and 2018 I'm on my way. Mm. So from 2015 to 2018 was me like preparing to become a teacher. So long story short. I got into the program. Yes, it was free. So yeah. I was able to get a free master's. Well, I mean, outside of like the cost of books, but like
1: yeah, yeah, it,
0: was fe- it was a grant fellowship. So I got a master's degree in special education, you know, paid for through a fellowship. Um, And that was my start of how I got into education, if that answers your question. So it was it was ordained, you know what I'm saying? Like it was laid out in front of me how I got into it.
1: And that's that's an awesome story because it's crazy right see a lot of people especially this generation or just people period they never think about the work they do now how it can impact later. Just imagine if you came to school with a bad attitude you came late you you know just didn't put forth the effort you did your principal is watching you and showing how you move and it's like nah I'm good I'll pass but because you did what you just y'all this is a lesson for us just do what you're supposed to do and your blessings will come people gonna look out for you now you got a whole a masters is not cheap and he got it for free you know what i mean so just that that's a lesson for us so i thank you for sharing that that's a good story there man keep me encouraged um so with you being a teacher right um tell me a little bit about the population of students you work with now and what is it like working with them
0: um so the population of students i have now I work as a, like I said, a special education teacher. I teach what's called modified curriculum here in Tennessee. So there are students who are, you know, students who have disabilities who may be on the general education side. They're taking, you know, general ed classes, getting this, getting grade level content, getting graded the same way, things like that. The students I teach are on a modified curriculum. So they're getting taught things that are not quite state standards and they're being taught foundational basic skills based off of their IEP. So a lot of the students I have um, are trying to get to the level of gaining those general education skills and foundational pieces. So it takes my students a little bit longer to meet the same progress that you may see from typical school age, elementary school students. So what is it like working with them?
1: And, oh, let me ask this question before you answer that. Disabilities, just to clarify, you mean learning disabilities or physical and learning?
0: Um, A lot of my students primarily are learning, is learning disabilities. Okay. Um, now, there are schools here in Nashville that service students with physical disabilities as well. I just don't teach in that, set, in that setting yet. So a lot of my students are dealing with learning disabilities. Um, The majority of them this year have... um a few different learning disabilities that they're, that they're going through
1: so how you like working? on it but let's be real because when most people hear a special ed they like nah i'm good but you you tell me what's your experience like
0: um my experience is one of patience man um but at the same time it's not only patience i i've had an understanding that this is urgent work because my students are showing up already behind you know their peers significantly so it's urgent in the sense that I have to do all I can to meet them where they are some days. So yes, when some people hear special education, they think behaviors, they think, you know, students that aren't typical of what you might see in a school. But for me, I enjoy it because I'm able to, one, build a relationship, like I always say, build relationships first. I, I try to gain their trust in some kind of way, you know, letting them know that I'm here for them, I care about them in in whatever way I can, Um, because a lot of my students this year are non-verbal, so they can't always communicate back to me, right, so me as the teacher, knowing that they're non-verbal, I have to then tap into how they're feeling each day, tap into body language, non-verbal communication, so gaining their trust in that sense, then I can teach them the content, right, so I always say the first thing is build relationships, second thing, gain their trust, third then you can teach the content you can't teach the content without doing those two things first
1: Mm. and that's that that's a good lesson that's that's a lot of what that's really what i try to teach a lot of people that work in my school um because sometimes they think like oh i'm just this and i I do a great job of being being an administrator but at the same time What's made it help is, like you said, building those relationships. It doesn't matter if you the lunch lady, the administrator, the teacher, custodian. Whatever you do, and that's anything in life, but especially in the school, is build relationships with the kids. Now, here's my thing. Let's be real, right? Because sometimes people get into, like, you know, we know the kids can be disrespectful. Let's be real. We was all kids once. And I'm going to be real. We weren't as bad as these group of kids now. I'm going to be real. But we used to challenge adults. Like, people fail to realize that. But the biggest thing is, have you ever got a chance to know who the kid is? Do we not stop and think about... Maybe something's going on at home, you know, spending time out on her kids getting to an argument with their families right before they come into school. So who do you think they're going to take it out on? And I'm not yeah. saying it's right. But if we spend that time to just get to know them, like how we want people to know us, we'll realize that, hey, they actually have, you know, a good personality or they're a good student. We just got to tap in. So I agree with you on that. So I'm talking about special education. Okay. It's a lot that involves that and for those who don't know special education you got your iep which is your individualized educational plan which is for those students who have learning or sometimes physical disabilities right um there's a whole bunch of teams involved sometimes depending on the district there's therapists sometimes psychologists there's a whole team involved in this but that being said one of the most vital pieces and i feel like this is a big issue across the board is parents tell me do you feel like parents need to be more involved in education? And if so, why?
0: I mean, of course, you, of course, as, as educators, right, whether we're school administrators or just teachers, we always want parent involvement. But two, I think parent involvement only comes at the expense of how much information parents are given mm-hmm. and how much of that information is clarified, right? Mm-hmm. So for instance, one thing that I always like to say is we have to do as educators, right? We have to do a better job of communicating to parents what the process is for right. a child being identified one, for a disability, mm. two, explaining to them what that timeline is.
1: Mm.
0: Three, once we explain what that timeline is, here's the IEP process. Here is what that means for your child and what that means for your child and your family, right? Like letting parents know you're gonna be their first advocate. We can only do as a school what you want as the parent sign on the line and saying you're allowing us to do. Hmm. But in allowing us to do that, are, are we as a school always painting a very clear picture for parents to be involved and understand when we say Davin has this disability and this is what it means for Davin, when Davin's parents see it, do they understand what that means? are we doing a good job of explaining what that means to parents that's always been my thing so to answer that should parents be involved yes they should be involved but i also think it should be a two-way street and how we as a school system communicate what's going on with children to two parents
1: I, I definitely agree with you on that um I think sometimes as a school we do struggle, right? Because let's be real, some of our parents are not educated, um, and what I mean is maybe high school, but not you know they they don't have a master's degree in special education or whatever, so they are not going to understand all the terms. And even if they do understand the terms, I do agree that a lot of families sometimes don't think about the the longevity of what your what's being diagnosed of your child. Um, I'll be real, sometimes a lot of the parents look at it like, oh, I'm gonna get this special ed check or you know, whatever else, but sometimes they don't think about when you're rushing to get this IEP. It's hard to get out of it. And let's be real, especially for our colored children. Um, you know, we're labeled as being, you know, behavior, children, children who don't want to learn so on and so forth. I think we sometimes need to get parents to see, and I think we need to do a better job of communicating this. Slow down. Let's, let's, let's put some other measures and interventions in place before we rush to the IEP. Yeah. It, it, it's just I, and get the context what i'm saying it's just a piece of paper saying what we're going to do to make sure we help them but let's yeah. let's do some other things before we put it on legal paper you know what i mean because we yeah. might be some things that you could do in the school as well as home to turn it around but i don't know what you think
0: i mean i agree with that behavior interventions like i tell people behavior interventions don't always have to be for a child with disability with a disc with a disability behavior interventions can be used for any child to exhibit a desired behavior that you want to see. For example, if you as a first grade teacher know that you don't want your kids just blurting out answers, right? But your child with disability might always blurt out answers. You can say to the entire class, before we blurt out answers, we're gonna raise our hand. We're gonna wait to be called on. We're gonna wait until our name is specifically called. Then we're gonna tell us our answer. That's a strategy you can use for all students. You don't have to necessarily negate, you don't have to specify okay just for student a who has this iep this is his intervention interventions can be used for all students and that's what i try to tell people a lot of times is what ieps do is they level the playing field for all students not just ones with disabilities but for
1: all students And I like what you said about um, the interventions using it for the entire group, because that's another thing I feel like a lot of teachers struggle with is sometimes like, I got this difficult kid, I got this difficult kid. And you know, I'm pretty sure you heard this, like, don't focus just on that one kid or that one behavior. Like you said, make it generalized. It's not that you're not dealing with it, but you make it in a way where the kid doesn't feel like, oh, danny's singling me out again, or, oh, I'm never going to get it right. No, I'm telling everybody, this is the expectation. I'm saying the same thing, but now I'm saying differently. So where, like you said, it doesn't just point one kid out, and make them feel like, because right. I have an issue or I struggle with this. Now I'm like, you know, I'm look as like the kid who just don't know how to act. So I agree with you on that. So I thank you for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, <laughs> and I you brought up about being a, um, you know, a, a brown skin brother being in the education system. Um, and I'll share this with everybody that's watching um you know us being minorities we already have it difficult um that's in any field um, but especially education and being um african-american male in america it is tough being an education system in my school i'm literally uh <laughs> male educators we have one african male teacher african-american male and then we have myself that's it and my my demographics for my school are 50 percent african-american 50 percent hispanic and that's alarming right we have all of our kids in there and here's my thing i have no problem with you know caucasian i don't have a problem with any race of teachers. but let's be real we want to have our kids that have diversity right it's more than one culture in our society so they should see people that look like them as well so and your experience of being a, a teacher uh how did it feel being a colored male in education like what was your honest experience thus far
0: um my honest experience thus far has been a little bit up and down. What I've noticed is, like I said, I've only taught even as a substitute teacher in an elementary setting. And I've only taught as a teacher and, a, been, and been a parapro in an elementary setting. What I've noticed is there's a lack of representation for Black men mm-hmm. in the elementary setting. Um, so for me, what I've always tried to do is not necessarily draw attention to the fact that I'm a Black male in the education setting, but I want to take the gifts and talents that I have and use them to impact the classroom, right? So if I know coming from an HBCU that like I came from, I'm gonna teach you to love yourself and to value what you have, I try to instill the same thing in my students. If I know coming from our community that we're not often seen in the school setting, I'm gonna try and do everything I can to make parents who look like me and even those that don't look like me feel comfortable leaving their child in my care, right? Mm-hmm. I try to at all times, let parents know, yes, I might have locks. Yes, I might wear like, you know, Jordans or whatever the case may be, but don't get it twisted. I take my job very, very seriously. And I know once I sign my name on that paper, that's that's me being held accountable. It has nothing to do with what I look like, what my hair looks like, how I dress, that's me as a person being held accountable for what I have to deliver to these families and to this school. So honestly, man, like my experience has been up to this point great because I feel like I've done my part to leave my impact in the schools that I've worked in and I've done my part to leave my impact on students. I haven't yet, you know, had any negative experiences just being a black male because i'm so focused on every day when i go in am i giving 110 percent to my students i don't care about what goes on around me when i come to work it's not about me it's about my students Mm. you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so that's kind of my whole philosophy is i I try to stay student-centered in everything i do and kind of keep the fact that i'm a black male kind of in the back burner. I just, I'm a teacher who just happens to be a black man.
1: And mm. I, I, I'm gonna be real for me when I first started out and I started out as a paraprofessional and, I, and it was a school with disabilities, predominantly white school. Um, it was rough. It wasn't too many um, minority staff in there. And I could just tell thinking back on now, you know, I was younger, I was what, maybe 23 at the time. It was just like, and I get it, I had locks at the time. So it was like young black male in here. Um, just a lot of stuff that I'm thinking about now that went on, it wasn't right. Um, and I didn't necessarily handle everything right either. Right. Because I'm gonna be real it was frustrating. Cause it's like, I'm trying, I'm doing this and that. And it was just like, to them, it was never enough. You know what I mean? I felt like I just had that target on my back. So, um, but that being said, like you said, it really helped to change my mind. helped me realize like, I need to be student focused. And from that point on, I started to grow. And as I got older, I started to mature and realize, look, everybody ain't going to like you. Everybody ain't going to respect you, but these kids need you. And that's why you're here. So I agree with you on that. So in, in talking about with your kids, how do you feel like they respond to you better um, with you being an African-American male or do you think it doesn't really matter?
0: I'm gonna be honest with you, um, because of the field that I work in in special education, I don't know if they actually notice care. I don't know, I, I hate to say it like that, but yeah. you have to understand, right, is they're already dealing with so much coming in the door all they want to know is here's this one thing I want to get to. Can I get to it? They don't really care that Mr. O is standing in front of them. Mm. They're trying to get to that one thing. So for me, I think I don't really pay attention to whether it makes a difference in their life or not. I hope it does. I hope that they understand like when they leave my classroom, that they were loved and cared for and they had a significant place, you know, in the world. Um, But I don't know if it, honestly matters to my students and i don't know if i really want it to you know what i mean because at the end of the day we know that black men are only 2% of this nation's teachers right i i handle a small section of my school within my district so for me i'm always like i just want to make an impact one on this classroom two on this school i want teachers that are here whether they're white, Asian, Latinx, whatever the case may be, to understand that we have to be, like I said at all times, student-centered. I don't want us to make it about us or make it about what we're getting out of the deal because at the end of the day, we all signed up to educate other people's kids. You know what I'm saying? Like we signed up to educate other people's kids, to make an impact on other people, to honestly, to serve other people. So we, I can't, I can't always get hung up on all oh, about me as a black male. Yes, that's important. Yes, I'm not saying it's not important. But what I'm saying is at the end of the day, if we as black men, you and I know that we're important in the classroom and we know the, sh- the level of like excellence that we bring to the field, I don't, I don't know if it really matters to me whether my students notice it or not, just because I know them so well to know that. I can be black, white, green, purple or blue. I have to connect with them somehow. Mm. I don't know if it matters the color of my skin from from my students.
1: So let me ask you this. Like what's the demographics um, of your school? Tell me a little bit about that like, you know.
0: Um I I work in a very diverse school. Um, my school has about 26 36 different languages spoken. um i want to say maybe 10 or 12 different nationalities spoken because you gotta you gotta understand nashville is a built is a bit of a melting pot um a lot of different nationalities all within one school right arabic uh somalian vietnamese kurdish Mm. hispanic um you know a very a very large population of different diverse students but that goes back to my point that I was saying, like you said earlier, we have to make sure that the teaching, the, the teaching staff at our schools matches the diversity of our students. Um, I'm really big on that piece for real, is are we doing enough as a school, as a district, as a country to make sure that our nation's teachers matches the level of diversity coming into our classrooms and if we look at the makeup just thinking about tennessee of like what our teachers looks like we're not mm. we're not doing a good job but at the same time i think and i'm hopeful because there are organizations popping up you know here and there that are saying okay we know that we need black teachers we know that we need diverse teachers we know that we need male teachers they're making an effort to Start, you know, pilot programs to get that teacher diversity to match the student body population.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you on that too. Um, because it made me think about, um, let's be real in the the. <laughs> how do I say this? In the hood, let's be real. In the hood, we complain about, oh, we ain't got no black teachers. People racist, da da da, so on and so forth, which is true. Now. You just said we got a shortage in teachers. My question is to to the listeners and people watching What are we gonna do about it? My thing is most of y'all some of y'all complaining about y'all need jobs why don't you step up to the plate? And I say for myself, I'm not the type of person to complain. That's actually why I got into this, because honestly, I was like, we need more people like me to be in there and like you to really be in there and have a voice. And you know, that's why um, I'm in my pursuit for principalship. It's not honestly for the title, because a principal, you know, and, and obviously I have respect for principals, right? But it ain't like the most glamorous job in the world. It ain't got the most pay either. It's actually a lot of work. But I felt like I'm at the point now where it's like, okay, I've been doing this administrative thing for a while. But now I need a greater voice so I can have more impact. Cause let's be real, principals have a lot of impact and say what goes on in the school, could possibly impact funding, staff positions, the way the school runs, the atmosphere itself. But if I'm if we we don't have any voices in that or any type of pull, how can we make anything happen? Somebody has to somebody has to do it. And that's okay, the part that bothers me. Let's
0: shift gear, let's shift gears for a second, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you started out as a parapro, right? Mm-hmm. Or a substitute and you have you said you started out as a parapro and then you became a teacher. What made you decide I want to go from being a teacher to being an administrator? And then two, what is your what is your current role in your school?
1: So let me correct you. So here's the thing. I've actually I got this far education, and I'm not actually a teacher. So, or I've never been a teacher. So I started out as a paraprofessional, like I said, I'm working with kids with um, special di- disabilities. From there, I kind of branched off. Now I have my masters in uh, social work, right? Okay. So I kind of branched off. I worked in juvenile probation, detention center, a lot of family stuff, right? And all that stuff is still tied to education because those kids have to go somewhere to go to school, right? um so how i got to where i'm at now i'm actually my current title is called a climate manager so my role is i'm pretty much the administrator over behavior for my school um and in philly what makes it a little bit uh more unique is that it's beyond just your typical dean um, we have a lot of other responsibilities almost similar to an assistant principal and actually my position we are in the principal's union just though so they made it clear so we have a little bit more responsibility but um what was your other question
0: well I guess I guess that answers that answers part of it um so you said you're in a principalship now
1: yeah I'm actually in school right now getting my uh my master's
0: gotcha so I'm currently and i was i was saying that because i want to shift to we were talking about you know teaching as black men let's now move into what school leadership Mm. as black men looks like because that's that's the track I'm really quickly starting to approach um so back up a little bit I got my master's in special education 2019 right I said okay I'm done with school my wife is like okay we got the degree we're good we're set
1: yeah
0: I get approached by um, the director of the Tennessee Educators for Color Alliance, Dr. Darice George, really good friend of mine. Um, this organization is all about policy amongst educators of color, advocacy amongst educators of color, promoting leadership in schools amongst educators of color, right? And we're not just meaning we're not just talking black and brown; we're talking Hispanic, you know, Asian American, like teachers of color. Period. Um, mm-hmm. He says to me. Um, Tennessee State University, along with a few other schools here in Tennessee, are offering another fellowship mm. for <laughs> educators who are, listen to me now, how God, like, yeah, really, if you start just walking in the path that he made for you, it starts to really fall in line. He says to me, Tennessee State is in a grant program with the Department of Education here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They need people to apply to become school administrators through graduate programs so what this means is just like i was in school to become a teacher and get that license i'm now in graduate school to get my school leadership license Mm -hmm. through the same type of grant and fellowship program um a university so like oh shoot i haven't even really like sunk my teeth into being a you know, teacher yet. I've only been in school for, I've only been teaching four years. Mm-hmm. Now I'm looking at becoming a school leader. What does that look like? Why do I want to do that? So that happened. And I'm now like one class away from getting that school leadership license. But now I got to put on a different hat because now I have to think about, okay, I I know sort of what school, what school looks like as from a teacher standpoint as a black man. What does school leadership look like as a as a black man? What sorts of things do I want others to know about what goes into that role? So now, I'm not quite at the AP role yet. Mm. That's my goal, right? Um, but what I have taken on is roles of like being on the school leadership team, you know, so I can get a feel for it right. and just start to have those conversations around what goes into funding for a school what goes into teacher you know recruitment for a school Mm -hmm. how do we retain high quality teachers right even down to like my assistant principal who's a great guy kind of breaking down for me as an educator what the rubric for for evaluations looks like like why he asked those questions right like i'm that type of person now where like yes i'm teaching but i'm starting to think like an administrator like think about long term, what decisions go into So I saw so I said I just wanted to ask you like what made you want to go into school administration? That's why I asked that.
1: Um like I said for me, I think my biggest thing going into school administration, like I said before, was really to have that voice. Um I've always naturally as I'm thinking about it now, just naturally I've always been in leadership positions. Not trying to just because I want to be the leader, like, you know, yeah. when I was I was my chapter president, um at my church everything I don't know just naturally that's just who I am so it just became a natural thing um and I can honestly say it's really been a joy um just to see some of the kids that I've impacted and work with and see them move on and um you really get to know your kids you get to know your staff it's it's definitely busy um But i take pride in being um african-american male in um leadership um i really do especially being young because i've been doing my position since i was 27 which um and it's funny um in my district school district philadelphia it's almost like everybody who's in this position there's like a clone or almost a stereotype and what i mean is that mostly all of the climate managers most of them it's not all of them they're all african-american males they're all older guys This yeah. <laughs> true story they mostly all have bald heads like it's almost like they look exactly alike now again it's not everybody whereas well, one time i looked and i'm in a meeting on the zoo and i'm like everybody looks the same bro everybody looks the same everybody yeah. Yeah. so um anyway but i say all i have to say it's been an experience um and i think honestly the kids enjoy the fact of how young i am Meaning that you know, I come from a different perspective. I don't excuse anything that they do. I push them, but they also can enjoy the fact, like I'm like I'm like the young uncle or the big bro that you know. Sometimes like I got bust them upside the head.
0: You know, a, come on, but come it's, on. A, it's a it's a different feeling though, man. Like being that person that kids can relate to in today's time is different. Like I know for me, when I was in school, I didn't have like my first. I want to say teacher of color until sixth grade. And, you know, I love her to death. She was a Hispanic lady out in Texas. Um, But it wasn't until I want to say seventh or eighth grade that I remember having my first black male teacher. Mm. And now that I'm a teacher as well, what I'm realizing is these kids honestly just need somebody they can connect to and somebody they can relate to. And somebody that like we said, you know, looks like them, has some of the same experiences as, as they do, um, is able to see them as as whole people. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times I get the sense that all teachers don't see our students, I'm talking black and brown students as, as whole people. I feel like it comes across, and this is just how it seems to me. I'm just speaking for me. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like they come across as, behavior issues or unteachable or unreachable or you know a label or a diagnosis or an issue that I have to deal with not teach not reach not connect with not build a relationship with not learn help grow cultivate things like that you know positive language it almost comes across as like it's an issue for teachers to deal with and that breaks my heart because I'm like these kids are already going through a pandemic broken homes things that we probably as adults couldn't fathom having to go through and then come to school you know what i'm saying and they look at them like an issue that they have to deal with it just i'm like i can't i can't always i can't always go for that so i try to always like i said earlier just advocate not only for my for my students but also connect with other teachers to help them understand that, hey, regardless of what you see on this IEP, this is a whole child who's capable, who has the potential. They just may take a few years to get what took your kiddos two days to master. You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's something that, you know, that's like a choice that people have to make, Right. Either you want to have that compassion or that care. Um, that mindset to really, you know, think about what you're saying and how you interact with kids, but some, a lot of teachers don't have it, you know what I mean, it's, and again, we have some great teachers out there, That's no shot to the teachers, but there are some teachers out there who just, what the kids say, collecting a check, you know what I mean, they just there for the summers off and all that other stuff, but then you got some other people who are really there to help see them grow, and let's be real, we know as adults when people is faking, so the kids know. <laughs> the okay. kids know who who's really I tell people not. All
0: the time, don't please don't think, just because this child is nonverbal that they're not picking up on social cues. That they're not picking up on like your attitude towards them. Like the like, please please, these kids have common sense. They can tell who really truly wants them around i promise you they can i've seen it with my
1: own eyes yeah i I definitely have too and they quit the people who they know don't like them or they give them a hard
0: you can tell they be like nope i'm gonna turn up today
1: All right, but let's let's go into a segment I like to do with most of my guests It's called um, LOL, laugh out loud moment. So All this right. is a segment in the show where you know my guests just get to kind of see a funny side of you. So if you can give us a laugh out loud moment or maybe something that happened in your school it pertains to you, um, we definitely like to hear. So you got anything that's happened funny?
0: Dang, that's happened funny. So a couple years ago, I'm on a field trip. I'm a, I'm a parapro. Um, I'm on a field trip. And, you know, kids are going to be kids. They're going to be comfortable wherever they're at, right? Man, I'm on a field trip. We at this, like, outdoor YMCA camp, right? Mm-hmm. They're jumping on this big moon bounce, and everybody's bouncing around. they bouncing, they bouncing, they bouncing, they chilling. The student I'm with takes his pants off. <laughs> and he in it, and he's just bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Hold on,
1: so hold on, hold on, hold on. He he bare he he's bare. No, nah,
0: he had his underwear. Okay, his under his okay. And I'm like, man, <laughs> it was just one of the moments I was like, of all the places to do this, and I'm like, you know what? You just comfortable, huh? You just.
1: Why you did you say it? he did that? Like he just said, he did, you
0: know what? He, did, he just he was like, is it? I think he thought it was a trampoline, and I'm at the house, so just get comfortable. And I was like, man, all right, it is. But, I mean, my kids do stuff all the time. That was just one moment. My kids do stuff all the time where I'm, like, laughing out loud because, like I said, they can pick up on, like, what's going on around Mm -hmm. them. And sometimes they're being funny without being funny. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I know other days I'm in the cafeteria, and some of my kids have to be spoon-fed, like, you know, I have to purely, like, take up their food and, like, put it in their mouth. Mm -hmm. I can tell they don't like something. They might not say, I don't like this, but that whole doing this and like tossing it off the plate that mean they don't like it it's just stuff like that that makes me laugh i'm like yeah you picking up something
1: dang that's crazy so you know, hold on what was the other kid's response when he saw that They happened? didn't oh. really
0: notice it i think i was because i'm a parapro i'm always thinking like this the yeah. one kid i'm with for this field trip i gotta make sure he's safe he's good i'm you know like i said it's a big old moon bouncer they're bouncing around and chilling I don't think anybody else noticed. I hope nobody else noticed, but I noticed, and I was like, "Oh shoot, you're not at home." Let's just, yeah. So that was one story, um, and then another one I have. You know, as para pros, we work hard, right? I'm thinking as a pair, we work super hard. Man, this same student, um, he loved to swim, and the school that we were at had a partnership with the high school that was nearby where the elementary the elementary school kids could go and take swimming lessons at the high school for free no charge bus came to pick them up and everything i don't know what day it was but man i'm sitting there on the bench he's in the pool swimming getting his lesson on right i don't know what happened but my head cuz you know pools are if they're indoor they're warm yeah the yeah air is, you know it's not a cold pool it's the air is warm all that man i'm back here like this <laughs> and i don't know how long i was out when I got when I got from here to here, I woke up and it was two kids looking at me like staring at me. (laughs) Like it was like you asleep. I was like, no, I wasn't. It was like, nah, you was out.
1: (laughs) Now, I had that happen. I used to work at the Y. And I yo, when they used to have pool time, and especially if you was the counselor not getting in, and you sitting at that pool, you over there and because you know you had to be there early too and they you know let's be real kids in the summertime you had a camp so you know i mean it's a lot that you got to do listen i'll be yeah. mr i'm like, <laughs> no, no, they like
0: no you was out i saw you but was like, that wasn't sleep
1: look look if they watching they like oh he was, man,
0: right at me, bro. They was like this <laughs> i was like oh man i'm sorry right. like, nothing happened to him he was you know
1: well well, it's thank old God old. for that, because they definitely would have snitched on you.
0: <laughs> Listen, Mr. O had to get a couple z's that day. I'm sorry.
1: All right, but let's get into our, our last question of the interview, and this has been a dope conversation. Um, this is a real transparent uh conversation, and I know a lot of people ask me this sometimes, like, you know, about what I do. And one of the questions that they ask is, you know, and they say like, you know, the kids are disrespectful, they this, they that, they don't want to learn, da da, 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 da. But the question that they ask me is, what makes you keep coming back? So I'm going to ask you that question. It's the last question I'm going to ask you. What makes uh-huh. you keep coming back to work?
0: I honestly keep coming back, man, because at the end of the day, these kids need me. Not just, not just me as a person, but like I have this sense and this like, you know, this thing inside of me that says these kids need me specifically. You know what I'm saying? Like these kids need whatever patience, whatever love, whatever. Intellect that I have for whatever moment this is in their life. Because if they didn't need me, God would have had me doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really truly feel like that. So, the honesty, like, the honest thing behind why I keep coming back is I feel like this is the place, this is the career, this is the path, this is the whatever that God has me on, not for me right but for somebody else's child Mm. like I'm supposed to be doing this not again not for me but for somebody else because at the end of the day um you know we talked a lot earlier about our experiences in school right like I I was an okay student you know um I was all right but I didn't honestly love going to school until I was an adult Mm-hmm. until 2017 and whenever that was that I got a call saying hey you're going back to school. That was when I began to take school seriously because I at that point was invested in what I was doing. I could see the end goal behind it. So for me I come back for the kids. I come back for that small glimpse of hope like you know I saw the progress you made last year and where you were and now I see where you are this year. In this light years beyond where I thought you might be. And I played some small part in that. And I just kinda wanna see those rocks keep piling up, right? I wanna see that progress keep going. I want to see, um, and a friend of mine said it and it really stuck with me. She put it on the card. She said, thank you for finding the potential and the promise in every student. Mm. And it really stuck with me because I feel like that's truly why I keep coming back is I want to find that one small thing in every student I work with that says, okay, hold on to this and take it with you. You know what I'm saying? So I just, that's why I keep coming back, man. It's something in me that says these kids need me. So whatever I can do in that moment, whether it's in the classroom or whether it's, you know, talking to their family, just to reassure families, right, that your child's going to be okay. The school has your back. I have your back. We're going to get through this together. Because let's be honest, I'm a parent, Mm. but I'm not a parent of a child with disabilities. I'm a parent, but I'm not a parent of a child with health impairments. Mm. I'm a parent, but I'm not a a parent of a child with behavior issues. So for me, a lot of times I come back just to reassure families that it's going to be okay. Today is today, but we're going to get to tomorrow. And the next day and the next day and the next day, because I mean, the truth of the matter is a lot of these parents are scared, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of them are worried. A lot of them are frustrated. A lot of them don't know what the outcome is going to be. So all I can do is show as much grace and compassion and empathy and, you know, love and all of those things to families every day that show up. It's not for the paycheck. It's not for the accolades. Even though those are great, I don't, I'm not doing it for the awards and the accolades and whatnot. I'm honestly doing this for students and for families.
1: And, you know, I definitely want to say, I thank you for all the work that you do, man. Um, We need more people like you, bro. So I definitely appreciate
0: you, bro. Everything
1: that you're doing, man, because it's much needed, man. It's it's much needed. Um, Wait, you want to say something?
0: No, nah, I was gonna say same to you because I can't, you know, I'm I only see it from the teaching side. I don't know what the, the behavior side looks like. So salute to you because I can imagine. I don't know if you I don't know if you work in an elementary middle school or high school, but middle school. Gotcha. See, I <laughs> Yeah. Bro,
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> bro, yep.
0: Yep. Yep. I can't do what you do. People <laughs> ask me that all the time. Why don't you go into middle school? Why don't you go into high school? Mm-mm.
1: Yeah, I've worked in I've worked in all grade levels. To be honest with you, I really liked I did like high school, but I definitely like the middle school age because they're kind of that in between. Mm-hmm. They definitely rough, but they didn't that in between. But um, I mean I like working with all, but definitely like middle school is my favorite. I enjoy working with them. Mm-hmm. Um so at this time, bro, I want to say first of all, it was an honor to have you on.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me, man. We're gonna have to do this again, bro.
1: Oh, no problem. You're always welcome to be back on the Marty Mars Show, man. We, we like family, yes. y'all. We, 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 we literally called each other brothers, man, because we, we 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 got the same mindset, man. We And this is how it should be, you know, when you connect with somebody. You always show love. Davin has always showed me love, um, no matter where we are. So I appreciate that. Appreciate you for joining. Oh, All right, man. B- before we close out, um, how can uh, my, my followers follow you? What else? Do you have anything coming up? Come on, give us give us any um, last final thing.
0: I don't have anything coming up. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, Davin Oglesby Sr. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, my first name, Davin, last name Oglesby. Or you can follow my bookstagram. Um, I'm a big avid. I didn't get a chance to touch, touch on it on this episode, but I'm a huge reader. I read anything and everything you put in front of me. Uh, If y'all want to follow me on Instagram, it's at T-H-E-L-I-T, the lit underscore black library. I'll have Lamar put in the show notes. Um, Again, the lit underscore black library on Instagram. That's where I have all of my book reviews, recommendations, what I'm reading now, what I'm looking to read, all things like that. Um, Because beyond being an educator, I always want to, foster a love of literacy amongst black people because let's be honest not too many of us are going to literally you know some of us e-read books you know we might look at books on a kindle or audiobook or whatever the case is but like not many of us are known for i'm gonna pick up an actual book and read it right so i try to always get my folks around me reading even if it's like you know a book Oh, whatever it is. Just read something. So that's always been my thing, man.
1: Nah, we appreciate y'all. Y'all make sure y'all follow him. This is a young, wise brother, wise beyond his years. Make sure y'all follow him. Thank you for being on. So at all this time, man. y'all, um, again, this is the Marty Mar Show, episode two of season two. Um, excellence and education. I hope you guys have learned something tonight. So um everybody just be blessed and I holla at y'all soon. Thank you, bro.